Welcome back to GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. With me today is William Randolph, and here's a bit about William. William Randolph joined the federal government as contract specialist in 1995 after graduating from college and an enlistment in the United States Navy. After rising through the civil service ranks via several operational contracting assignments, in 2004, William was selected to be the assistant commander for contracts at Marine Corps System Command. In 2009, at the age of 39, William was selected into the Senior Executive Service, also known as SES, as the Director of Procurement Oversight Department of Homeland Security headquarters. In July 2010, William was selected to be the Director, Office of Acquisition Management for the U U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, also known as ICE. And then in 2013, he went on to an assignment as Assistant Director of Operations Support. So he's had quite a bit, and there's other other things that William has done and acquired over the time. But for this segment, we're just going to jump right into it and have William introduce himself. So we won't be taking away from who he is because we all know a bio is just a bio, but there's more to the individual. So without further ado, welcome William Randolph. Thank you so very much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, so, so yes, w William Randolph, uh, cur currently entrepreneur, a founder, uh, I am the uh, CEO of a company I started about two and a half years ago called Think Acquisition. It really is a training and development company in the areas of acquisition program management, leadership uh, in, in, in those spaces that I actually served in when I was in government. So I took that time in government, get all, got all the block checks that I could, packaged that information, and then took it to the marketplace uh, as an individual, and now you know it has grown. We have I've got four employees now, so it's uh, it's doing pretty well. So thank you. That is amazing, William. And before we dive deeper in the segment today, we're going to be talking about entrepreneurship, generational wealth accumulation via um, via entrepreneur. What entrepreneurship? What does that look like? And then we're also going to maybe highlight a bit about. What are the steps that you took to acquire that? Because we all know that being a business owner, there's going to be struggles, but sometimes people don't always talk about the struggles. They yeah. always show the point where they have arrived <laughs> when it's not actually that easy. People go through, you know, where they, they're not even paying themselves. They're paying their employees just so they can stay afloat. They go, Some people go through bankruptcy before they even make it. People go through a lot of you know failures and rejection before they Ooh. even get that yes. So we're going to go into that further. And I want you to really deep dive and just bring it all to the forefront and be vulnerable. But I want to ask you, when you got involved in the government contracting, was it something that you knew that you were going to do or did you just fall into it? I actually fell into it. I, I, I wish I could say that I had this grandiose plan, but most people that I have talked to in my career uh, and in this career field, most people will say, you know, probably eight out of 10 will say that the acquisition and contracting career found them. They didn't find it. I only met one person in my entire career that said that they want they grew up wanting to be a contracting officer. And that was a guy that I knew early in my career. And he said his dad was a contracting officer. So he's like, oh, I, I want to do what my dad does. So 
um, I, I, I found it. I was lucky enough just to, to go to a job fair right in college because I had gotten out of the military, uh, went to school for two and a half years. I had GI Bill in hand, went to school. And then um, I had all intents and purposes of going back into the military as an officer. That was the grand plan. And I remember in February of 1995, I can remember just like it was yesterday, February of 1995, uh, we had a job fair. The regional job fair was going, multi-school, multi-regional job fair. And I was like, look, I have nothing to lose. So, uh, you know, back in the days when you when you made copies of your resume, so I had, I had nice crisp copies of my resume, the best cheapest suit I could put on at the time. Okay, and then I went to the job there. And I remember I had that day I went and talked to everybody and I had three job offers, excuse me, two job offers and one invite. Two job offers. Uh, I remember it like it was yesterday. 84 Lumber and Chase Bank gave me job offers right on the spot. And I was like, uh, you know, not, wasn't really feeling it. Uh, but then I had this invitation to come to come interview with Naval Sea Systems Command. And at the time they were in Crystal City, Virginia, uh, right outside of a, a part of Arlington. And I remembered when I went there and interviewed, I, I often tell the story. I feel like, um, you know, I don't know if, if you've watched The Simpsons or any of, your, any of your community has watched The Simpsons before, but that, that television show, that cartoon, when it, when it first comes on, it says, The Simpsons. And I remember that was the experience that I had when I when I went there and interviewed and interacted with those with those individuals there at Naval Sea Systems Command in the contracting arena. I felt like I had found my people. Oh, wow. And that's beautiful that you said it was something that you fell into because in life, that's how some of our biggest blessings come because those are the ones that we fell into because we had no sight in mind that that was something that we wanted to do. And once we got into it, we find out that we really love it. And it goes to show that sometimes we plan certain things out, but those plans don't always go accordingly. And it's okay because everything that we go through in life has also happened to us as well as it happened for us, for us to grow, whether it's personally or professionally. And for those people, um, William, who are interested in getting in government contracting, maybe they want to do it from a consulting standpoint, or they want to do it, maybe they want to work for the government, what are your tips for them to get involved there? I know, number one is making sure they have an LLC or some form of business entity. So yes, there, there are two schools. So one is if you want to do it inside of government as a government employee, then that's a, that's a, that's a really uh, very efficient way of learning the business and getting paid to learn the business. So that's what I, I always encourage people to go find and go get education and experience and get paid for it in lieu of paying for it. So um, going into the government, I think is an amazing experience. I know it was for me. And there, the federal government is in such a need of true talent that you can find the niche that you like, something that you're interested in that meets your either your wants, needs, aspirations, your personality or operational style and you can find that thing and with talent and perseverance and and actually going in and, and getting in leaning into the work you can rise up the ranks get that experience and then take those experiences and then go to the 
go to the private sector and then sell back to the government. So which is what, what I did. I took those experiences, 26 years of experiences, relationships, network, engagement, activity. I took all of that and packaged it up and then said, I'm going to, I'm going to take that information and sell it back because the wants, needs, and aspirations of the federal government they still have problems and challenges. And that, that experiences, those experiences that I got paid for over time, I could take that, take that body of knowledge and, and sell it back. So now where you are currently in your career, because you had 26 years of experience working for the government, then you started your own company. And so I want you to think about what that transition period looked like. And did you make that transition to build that generational wealth for your family? And how are you putting your ducks in a row to ensure that you're building generational wealth for you, your family, and then the rest of your lineage? So, so my story is really about mindset shifts, okay? And I had two big mindset shifts that took me from federal government employee to government contractor business owner. The first mindset shift, I was 46 at the time, and it was, I, had, I had taken a senior executive assignment outside of my community. So I had worked for another agency and, and I was like, it was a great experience and I loved it, but it was time for me to go back to my people. And at that point, at 46, I looked and saw that I had 11 more years because based on when I came into federal government service, my minimum retirement age was 57. So I was 46 at the time and my minimum retirement age was 57. That means I had 11 more years to serve before the federal government said, you're done, okay? Or that, or that we, we, you know, that you, you've, meet, you've met the level where you can retire. And what I, what I did at that time was I looked at it and said, what did I want to do for 11 years? And I said, no matter, I did not thought about it. I said, no matter how well I did the federal government job, that whatever the next job was for me in government service, no matter, I could have been the, it could have been the best organization, the best performing, the most efficient, the least cost, uh, the, the least cost, all of them, all of the measures and parameters, key performance indicators, they could have been off the charts. And I couldn't have taken the keys to that job and given them to my kids. Okay, no matter how well I did, it, it's just not set up. That's a game. It's like playing checkers and playing chess. That's that game says, no matter how well you do at the end, congratulations, you just retired. We'll give you a potluck, maybe a cake, maybe a card. Okay. And then the, the announcement for your job will be on the street before you leave. Okay. That I couldn't take those 11 years, build something amazing and then give it to my kids. And what I decided was, wow, I could take those, but if I shifted, I could take those 11 years go out and build something. And at the end of those 11 years, I can just hand the keys off to one of my children because they have the right last name or the right DNA. Ah. And at that point, and at that point was when I was like, oh, first mindset shift. It's time for me to play a different game. The chessboard and the checkerboard look similar, but they have totally different rules. 
Mm, I like that. I like that that you said it started with the mindset shift because that's so important because coming from corporate America, after spending 15 years, 12 was spent in oil and gas, and then I got laid off one week after my father passed, and I felt like my layoff came because I spoke up in the vice president's mm. meeting when he asked me about what is my stance on um, racism, whether it's personal or professional, and I kind of just laid it out there and told my story Yes, I got a $20,000 salary increase one week later after telling my story, and I got a CL bump, which is a classification level bump from a 15 to a 22, but I was already underpaid in comparison to my counterparts who were all Caucasian, and I was the only Black, Black person on my team a woman in a male-dominated field. And then I had to ask myself when I had my mindset shift, I was like, yes, it sucked that I got laid off, but I wanted to leave because it was like, I'm spending time building somebody else's empire and legacy while my visions are getting stale over here on the side. And I didn't know what to do. And I recently started following this guy called um, this guy named Eric Coffey, who talks about government contracting and et cetera. And it's really interesting, the stuff he's saying, because you think about all the skills and talents that you have in your will. How now, if you just apply that and do government contracting and et cetera, then you're building, you know, your entrepreneurship bucket. You're now going from an e-bucket, which is the employee bucket, into a business bucket. And then you're having ownership and then you're consulting your services out to the government, which, you know, there's going to be certain services that they need on a daily basis. But you have to be able to educate yourself, because if you don't educate yourself, then you're going to fall flat on your face. So I want you to talk about whenever you decided that you had 11 years left. And you're like, what can I do? You had that mindset shift. Did you leave before your retirement? Because you said at 46 was when you had that aha mindset shift. Yes, I retired early at 46. I made the decision then. Okay, so now because I had some military time and I had uh, collectively, I had 26 years of federal government experience between my 21 in civil service and five years in the military, I I had the opportunity to do an early retirement. So it's, it's called a deferred. So I can't tap it until I'm 57, but I got it. It's in the pot. Okay. So at 56, I mean, at 46, I said, okay, I don't know enough about the other side of the table to go work, to go start my business today. So what I did was I went and found a nice consulting position on the other side of the table, working for the private sector, consulting back. So this was a consulting firm and I was an employee again, but I was a very well-paid employee and I was learning the other side of the business. So I get to dabble in all types of things and see under the curtain. You know, you can pull the curtains back in a business and see what's all happening behind the scenes. Every every employee doesn't have that opportunity, but I found the I found the position that allowed me, and I was very clear with them. I said, look, I want to start my own company, but I'm here to learn. I want, I'm going to contribute. I'm going to be a part of your team and I'm going to help you grow, but I'm here to learn. And it took me about three years. And then I learned that side of the business. Now at 49, I was like, okay, it's time. And here's the second shift. I was getting a little antsy. It was about three years, three, three years or so. I was getting a little antsy. And they made a mistake. Here's the second mindset shift. On one of the deals that one of the contracts that we were writing, they asked me to review the work. 
to review the contract. That was part of my job. So that, that's no problem. But they were bidding me on that work. Okay. They were bidding me. And I knew they were bidding me. But I was like, I'll, I'll take a look at it. But they left the pricing sheets in the, in the contract, in the draft contract. And what I saw was I was getting paid very well, but the company was getting paid 2x what they were paying me, 50% margins. So let's say I was getting paid $90 an hour, which was my rate, $91 an hour, which was my rate as a consultant. They were bidding me out at 185. Okay. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, you messed up. Because I got to see, I got to pull the curtains back and truly see what my real value was, okay? I thought my value was $91 an hour. My real value, what people are actually willing to pay is $185. And I was like, oh. And I was like, and I'm the one that have go, did, went all, got all the experience, did all the training, know all the contract stuff, but the owners got just as much and actually... more than I did, okay, then my cut by simply owning the company. And that was the second mindset shift. It's like, oh, this is where I need to go. I need to be a business owner. You got to move from an employee to a business owner. That was the second mindset shift. And so coupled with the generational thinking, it's like, how do I pass things along And then how do I maximize my, how do I realize all of my value? Okay. Those two things together found me, found me in a situation where I started my own company in, in July of, uh, of 2019. That's amazing. And you started your company right before the pandemic really started, which is a bonus because so many people, you know, their businesses were closing in the pandemic, but there were so many new businesses that were being birthed pre, pre-pandemic or during the pandemic. And the reason why I say pre is because your business was birthed before the pandemic, but then the pandemic happened. And then you see those who lost a lot of things in the pandemic, but then there was also those who had the grit, who had the resilience, who had the perseverance. And I know a personal friend of mine who started his business and it did very well, despite what the media was saying and everyone else. But I think it comes down to mindset shift. I think it comes down to favor, luck, and most importantly, I'm a believer. So God, God, God has right timing. So there's always those Kairos moments, which are God's appointed time. And I want to hear with you starting your business in um, 2019, how did the pandemic affect your business? What were the pros and cons? Oh, I, my, my, I am very measured whenever I answer this question, but, but the pandemic was a, uh, it had more benefits than negative. Let me say it that way. In a training and development, in a in a training and development company, we went straight to virtual. No question. We had we wasted no time. As as soon as I started seeing things shut down, I actually started pouring fuel on the idea of doing virtual training. We had all, we had dabbled in it a little bit, but people were still willing to travel and go to training. And I live in Hampton, Virginia, so I spent in the last year in 2019, the entire 2019. Uh, between going back and forth with my job, my career, uh, you know, and my position, 
and starting my company, I put 29,000 miles on a vehicle, on a brand new vehicle that I had purchased that year, going up and down the road from Hampton to the DC metro area. So I was, it was like, if this is the job, I've got to go up and down the road. That wasn't, that wasn't a problem. That wasn't a problem for me at all. But as soon as things started shutting down, I was like, oh, let's, let's just offer just shut that stuff down. And, 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 I, and I told people, because I, I had a small little coaching business on the side, I said, the first thing we need to do is fall out of love quickly with how we did things in 2019, okay? You got to fall out of love quickly and then become infatuated with what the world's going to look like a year from now, okay? Assume everything shuts down. Think about what that's going to look like a year from now and then bring that solution back. And that's all I did. It's like, I was like, we're going to go virtual. Everybody's going to be at home. And, and I started building alternative communication channels to talk to, to talk to my community, one of which was LinkedIn. I went heavy on LinkedIn because that's where people were, you know, all of the, all of the conferences and expos and all that stuff shut down. We weren't meeting in, in, in physical spaces anymore. So people were aggregating and congregating online and 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 LinkedIn was the place where my community was connecting. So I went heavy. I started I started a YouTube channel. I started a weekly I had a had a weekly kind of video podcast thing. Started writing started writing blog posts and I went heavy and I started growing my community. And as soon as you started as soon as I started demonstrating some competence in the space, people just started people just started the, the doorbell started ringing. Mm, I like that because I heard you shifted the your business structure by face to face to virtual because yes. you saw ahead of the curve that things were shutting down. So you launched in the virtual space, really, you figured out who your avatars were and started connecting where your avatar hangs out, which was LinkedIn. Absolutely. Your communication, you broaden your scope by connecting with various channels to make sure that people know who you were, what yes. you had to offer, and how you can help their business. So it was like a give and take system. And then another thing I heard was that during that time, you said falling out of love quickly because, you know, the past is the past, but we're here to pivot. So whenever you fall out of love quickly, you're reconditioning yourself. And yes. as you recondition yourself, what does that look like? Because that past may never surface again, or if it does, it's going to surface in a way that looks slightly different because things have been tweaked, kind of like fashion. You know, back then it was bell bottoms and now you have it resurfaced and now people call them bootlegs, but they're still <laughs> um, bell bottoms. Yeah. So there's different ways of, you know, doing things whenever we are challenged with certain life circumstances that are uncontrollable. But what can you do to control where you are? So you have your uncontrollables and the controllables. And as you think about how far you've came so far, what are some of the advice that you would give people who are aspiring to get to the level that you're at with going from, you know, your background all the way up into business ownership and you're still learning and growing. Yes. I, I, I have three things that I, I, I tell people one embrace the unknown because the more you try to do, the more you'll realize what you don't know. 
Okay. So I, my plan when I started my company was to be the most highly compensated one person company. Okay. I was like, it was just going to be me. I, I didn't want any employees. It was just me. And then it was probably two months into the business. I had an opportunity. I literally fell into a government contract. Okay. I went to talk about one thing and the company said, Hey, I mean, the, the, the government agency said, Hey, that's great. But this thing over here is really eating our lunch. Could you help us with this? I was like, of course I can help you with that. And then I had two employees just like that. Okay. So I, that it was me and now two other employees. So I had to learn how to do payroll. I had to learn how to do benefits. I, I had had no interest in that. And, and previously, my entire career, I had worked for someone else. So at the beginning, when you fill out all of your HR paperwork, you fill out all the paperwork and you hand them in. And then surprisingly, two weeks later, you get paid. It's like, you, you don't think about it when you're an employee that someone is responsible for that. But now people are looking for me. That they want to make sure the eagle flies every two weeks for them. So be very, get comfortable with the unknown. That's number one. Number two is you will have to turn into someone else to be successful. Whatever that is, whatever the next is, what the skill set, the knowledge, the knowledge set, the skill set, and the mindset you have today has gotten you here. If you want to get here, you got to get another knowledge set, skill set, mindset. You've got to add on, it's got to be additive. You can't get to the next level with the information, the, the knowledge, skills, experiences, and mindset you have today. Okay. If if you if you're if you're leaning into it, you squeezed out all the value out of today's mindset, skill set, and knowledge set. You've got to add to it to get to the next level. That's number two. And then number three is always think long game. Always think long game. In a business, you do have to have revenue. So and maybe that's number number four. The bonus is revenue cures all. Okay. Revenue cures cures all. But when you think about the long game, think about what could you build? That was my my North Star was what could I build in 11 years? Now, now the business had to be fruitful and and I had bills to pay and I had to have you know, I had to have compensation, you know, in year one. But my goal was simply what could I build in 11 years? So when I look at it, I don't look at it week to week, month to month, quarter to quarter, even year to year. I look at what am I, I'm building something that at 11 years, I'm going to have a decision point. The same decision point I would have had in government at that same 11 year point. And now it's now I'm at, I'm at eight, seven years to go. Okay. It's at seven years to go, seven years from now, I've got a decision to make. And that'll be whether I want to continue, whether I want to give it over to the kids, whether I want to sell it whether I want to let somebody else run it, I don't know. But And I'm not going to try to make that decision today. It is my responsibility to build. Okay, So I, when I think about it, it's, I'm, I am responsible for the 11 years that I said at 46. I said 11 years. Now, see, if I wasn't willing to build, I should have stayed there. I would have, the, the check would have showed up and, and the, there was no risk. I would have had to worry about employees or or paying payroll or benefits or insurance, none of that stuff. I have, wouldn't have to learn any, wouldn't have to learn sales, wouldn't have to learn marketing, wouldn't have to learn how to how to do YouTube and, and have a YouTube channel. I wouldn't have to learn, I wouldn't have to learn any of that. So that would have been the easy route. And I would have, I would have, I would have lived a very comfortable life. But in my 
second year of business, I quadruple times four my, my salary, okay? Times four, okay? And I was, I was well compensated, and, but I did a times four in the first year. It's gonna be times five this year, but I'm not even counting year to year. It's, it's, a, it's a nice metric. I put it on the wall, it's a nice metric, but I'm thinking about when it comes 59, which is 20 in 2029, that's the metric. In 2029, I'll have a decision to make and I want to have as many options. I would not have done the work to have the options available in 2029. Mm, that's amazing. And I like how you said you think about it in the long haul because whenever you phrase it that way, it helps people broaden their scope and get that vision of not just thinking about the small metrics, but think about the large metrics and reverse engineer it so you could begin to build the solutions to the problems that you are trying to solve. And William, as we wind down, I want you to tell the listeners and the viewers once again who you are, how they could connect with you on social media, and leave us with either one or two gems. Sure. Uh, again, William Randolph, founder, CEO of Think Acquisition. You can find me. LinkedIn is where I live. William Randolph, you can find it. That's where I am. That's where I've planted my social media flag, uh, and I put all of my time and energy there. You can find me, and I've got a lot of stuff to say, and I've got a lot of opinions on most things. So find me there, and you can share uh, and, and be a part of, of my community, and I can be a part of yours. Uh, in, in terms of gems, I want to get back to probably just this last thing about generational wealth. It is that I feel, this is not personal, but I, I, I share it everywhere I go. I feel it's our responsibility as adults to build for the next generation. It's just like the model that we talk about in being an employer, that when, when your employee gets paid, the employer gets paid too, okay? So I think about that in terms of our children, our, our, either our children, our lineage, our family members, that we should be, that we should have multiple generations building at the same time, okay? We should have multiple generations. So I'm, 50, I'm 51 this year, Okay, and I've got children in their late 20s. So I'm building, my children are building. Okay. And, and one of and one of my one of my children has two has two children. So I've got two grandchildren, a six-year-old and three-year-old. Guess what? We have investments for them. So they're building at the same time. Everybody's building. Okay. So then some transitions will occur when they when they put me in the when they put me in the big box. It'll be time to move on, but my building, my time on the planet would have been not only for me, but for the next generations. And so every generation, no one should be getting a free ride in the boat. Everyone gets in the boat, everyone gets an oar, and everybody paddles, everybody paddles. That was a great analogy. And I like how you had that stair step method that everyone is building because it's generation upon generation. And I think about it this way, seed time and harvest time. What type of seeds are you planting? And the seeds that you plant today will eventually reap a harvest. And William, I want to thank you so much for coming on the platform and just sharing your insight, your knowledge, your wisdom, and just engaging in this conversation with me because I learned so much in like these past um, 
minutes like I was like oh wow I was like drinking from a water hose I wanted to ask more but I'm trying to be respectful of your time so let's uh listeners and viewers we will definitely have William Randolph back whenever he wants to come back and share some more gems but until then I like to sign out with saying peace love and lots of blessings. And remember to ask yourself the hard questions. When you ask yourself the hard questions and you answer, answer them back, you're able to see the trajectory. So the question today I want you to think about, how are you building generational wealth? How are you tapping into entrepreneurship? Just because you may be in an employee bucket does not mean you can't build something on the side. It's always good to have a plan B. And in this day and age, you need to have multiple streams of income in case something were to happen, i.e. a layoff, a furlough, or et cetera, you'll have something else to fall back onto. And never place all your eggs in one basket. And I hope you enjoyed this segment. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast slash videocast on YouTube, Gems with Genesis of Mars Kemp, and subscribe to where you're listening to this audio at. And if you want to hear a topic that we haven't talked about yet, send me an email at gemswithgenesisamarskemp at gmail.com. Hope you have an amazing day.